This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 12, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. One bank has decided to go out of business, or rather, it's decided the benefits of federal deposit insurance are no longer worth the new regulatory burdens. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, says it's for good reason. Recently, a little bank, oddly enough, uh, named Main Street uh, in Little Town, Texas, Kingwood, has decided it's going to give up the benefits of federal deposit insurance and essentially go on its own, unbecome a bank, but still do the basic function of banking by taking borrowing money, lending money, making loans, uh, and helping to create business. Now, it's very interesting that this bank has decided that it's going to give up what are some very substantial benefits that come along with having federal deposit insurance, but also with those substantial benefits become an increasingly large array of regulation. Uh, And so what this bank has decided is that the cost of being a bank the regulatory costs that are have started to outweigh the benefits you get from the protections. Uh, And it has decided, I can do this differently, I can do this better, uh, and I can essentially go back and do what has historically been a very um, basic banking model, which is know your customer. Main Street Bank had a very heavy concentration in small business, uh, which small business lending has not been securitized and standardized in the same way as, say, mortgages or credit cards. It's still a very old school. You sit across the table from somebody, you get a sense of whether they're going to pay you back. And so, in a sense, this really is a return to old-style banking. Uh, And it's a return to the sort of banking that didn't get us in trouble in this crisis. You say this kind of banking didn't get us into the crisis. Why would they decide now we're going to get out of traditional banking and we're going to get into essentially a shareholder model this is they're going to raise instead of deposits they're using equity that they're equity and uh there will not be traditional banking customers in the sense of depositors walking in and cashing checks and things like that it's fair to say that you that they're almost being pushed into this decision uh the bank examiners their regulators have raise questions about their concentration. And they're a bank that's heavily involved in small business lending. You know, at one time, close to 90% of their lending was small business lending, you know, loans under 100000 that were kept on their balance sheet. And so the regulators come in and look at this and say, well, you know, this is not really liquid. You can't sell this off like a mortgage or a mortgage-backed security or even a credit card. So the regulators really thought there was far too much concentration in a particular type of lending in a particular area. And this is important to keep in mind. The model that we had that really got us into trouble, that sort of securitization where a bank or even a non-bank makes a loan, sells it off to somebody else, ends up in a security that somebody holds, that was a model pushed by the regulators. The regulators believed that was a safer model, believed it brought more liquidity, believed it brought easier pricing. But it also separated out the incentives that a lender has to do more due diligence, to do more proper underwriting. For instance, again, with this Main Street Bank, whatever name they're going to come up with next, they make the loan or they hold it. They keep all the risk. So there's a much stronger incentive to try to make sure you actually know the risk you're taking. Uh, And this is the real irony here, which is they're going back to a model that the bank bank regulators push them away from because of the bank regulators. Go back to the days of... J.P. Morgan, uh, people who, when a bank began to run low on cash, the men in the room had to come up with cash to keep the bank going. This was particularly the case uh, on Wall Street, you know, but before pretty much 
the 90s, most investment banks were partners. They were partnerships. And, and if there was a shortfall, you brought all the partners in a room and they took their own money and they put it back in and they recapitalized the bank. Now, you, you've had this historically in other countries. Uh, you know, the, the Scottish era of free banking was, a, was an equity uh, and it was actually a double liability where the shareholders have to put in twice as much to try to recapitalize the bank. So we certainly had through much of world history – banks be partnerships that are equity funded. And interestingly enough, and of course, this is the same way that hedge funds, private equity are similarly run by they're based on having a whole lot of equity. For instance, the typical hedge fund, 50, 50% of its funding tends to be equity. They, they're not a leveraged 10, 20, 30 to 1 like many banks are. And so this is a bank that is returning to that equity-driven model. They'll actually end up probably having equity of over 10, 20%, which is pretty high for a commercial bank. Um, so you are seeing a return to something like that partnership model and where the expectation will be that if the, if the losses from the loans wipe out the equity, the owners themselves will put more money in. So you know we're getting away from certainly getting away from public bailouts where the taxpayer has to fill that hole. So I certainly see this as a positive where we're getting back to some of the previous banking models that did work and worked in a way that weren't systemically dangerous to the economy or the taxpayer. In the last few years, how have we seen, I guess if you call it portfolio management uh, for banks, how has the government really gotten into uh, telling banks – more precisely how they are to manage their portfolios? Well, there there have essentially been two ways that this has been done. One is the more direct, which is what this Main Street Bank is feeling, which is the examiner comes in and says, well, we don't really like you holding that, or we, or we think you've got too much concentration in that, uh, you know, or we think that that's a risking loan. So there's a little bit of sort of micromanagement, second-guessing that goes on by the examiner. Which makes perfect sense Absolutely. if you've got an FDIC insurance program. And that's, a, that's an important thing to keep in mind. You know, the, With FDIC, you're providing this insurance that essentially creates moral hazards because you're on, and you undermine the incentives for the banks to monitor their own risk. So if you create a moral hazard, you therefore create a system that you have to have the government come in to try to control that moral hazard or you actually get bigger losses. And that's certainly the core central question of bank regulation is can you have the regulators regulate sufficiently and competently enough to offset the moral hazard they create by the incentives? That, that is the core question. Now, the other part of it is that along with that core question is the bank capital standards. And we've increasingly seen greater, if you want to call it sophistication or micromanagement or even rules-based capital regulation. Prior to the 1970s, capital regulation worked basically the same way that the, that the concentration of loans were done. The bank examiner came in and said, I think you need to raise a little more capital. I don't think you need to raise more capital. I mean, it was a very uh, judgmental uh, method that was used prior to the 70s. We have started to see, particularly after the SNL crisis, but this really took form after the creation of Basel II. And Basel was a little town in Switzerland where the international bank regulators meet with the banks and hammer out the bank regulations. You've increasingly seen what's called risk-based capital standards, where the capital standards are dependent on whatever the loan is. You hold X amount of capital against government bonds. You hold X amount of capital. And of course, some of the – So corporate debt would carry a different type of risk as a sovereign debt or Absol- other things. Absolutely. And even securitized lending would hold less – you'd have to hold less capital than a versus a whole loan. For instance, if you held 100 mortgages on your books as a bank – You'd have to have more than twice the amount of capital if you held those 100 mortgages as mortgage-backed securities. 
even though you've had this very same risk because you simply hold them in securitized. So the regulators have decided and provided that incentive for you to hold securitized assets. Now, what was facing the Main Street Bank as well is that small business loans tend not to be securitized. They tend to be held on portfolio. So you've really seen a decades-long push away from small business consumer lending because their capital standards make it so much more expensive to do. I mean, you might look at this and say that I'm going to earn, earn another percentage point or two in return by making a small business loan over a mortgage, but I've got to hold twice the capital. So my, my, my cost of capital is much higher for that sort of loan. And you really did see the bank capital standards over a number of years push banks to favor certain types of assets. One of the reasons, of course, that many European banks hold so much Greek and Italian and Spanish debt is because of the capital standards. Uh, and as we've learned, those types of assets are not risk-free. Uh, and so you're seeing this Main Street Bank take this approach of, you know, we were happy to make small business loans. That's what our community needs. It creates jobs. It's actually productive rather than something like Greek debt. Um, but the bank regulators frown upon it. The bank regulators make you hold more capital. They discourage you from having it. And so this is one of the things that's really important that the structure of our banking regulation really was one of the things that set it up for the crisis we had and incentivized holding the assets that got us in trouble. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.